0: Welcome to Raise the Bar, a podcast by Gymnastics New South Wales. Each month, we chat with gymnastics coaches, athletes, and experts to reveal tips and tricks to help you raise the bar on your coaching journey. Today's topic: It takes a village. Ooh, fun topic today, Gemma. Who are we hearing from?
1: Hey Kay. Yeah, absolutely. This month we've got Gymnastics Wellbeing Manager Katrina Mulke. Awesome. Let's hand it over to Katrina.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: I'm so excited to talk to you today. Our topic is It Takes a Village, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. But first, tell
2: us, what is it that you do? So um, positive athlete wellbeing management, you know, I can best describe it as it's like the backstory to arriving at training and competition. So when an athlete is at training and competition, and they've had a great lead up towards that, they are more fully focused and feeling confident. They're in a better position if they make a mistake to be able to let go. They're in a better position to continue to focus on their next routine. They're in a better position to manage their nerves. Uh, They're in a better position to take feedback. And really, they're in a better position to um, enjoy their experience. I love it, I think I have the best job, (laughs) Gemma. What does that look
1: like on a practical level, do you meet with people one
2: on one? Part of being an athlete is being able to be best uh, training and keep cascading and building upon your skills and routines and your fitness and and your capability, and then competing at a competition and that's under pressure. So part of what I do is help the athletes utilize varying tools that will help their mindset be positive and focused for a competition. And they need to practice that at training. So with all the elements on hobbies, having good friendship groups, having debrief self-reflecting tools, meditation, good music, sleeping patterns, good scheduling, all those things, what work? And if they don't work, we change it. So they're feeling very comfortable that they can have themselves organized leading up to a competition. Then on top of that, they need to practice breathing techniques, Mindfulness, positive thoughts, how to let go. So, if for instance they're at a competition and they got rattled or something didn't go as planned, they're confident with what tools to use to help them reset to get back focused. So, that's what I do for athletes. And then I do the same for coaches, exactly the same for coaches help them how to prepare their life so there's no unnecessary challenges and stresses that are still on their shoulders when they're turning up for their training day in, day out.
1: That's fantastic. Mm. So what are some of the tools they can use to reset? And what does that look like for a coach?
2: Well, I think the um, main thing for anybody uh, in the high performance sport, they've got such a high volume of work, they forget to look after themselves, but they really need to arrive at every training session being their best. And with that comes Being very self-aware of themselves, how are they tracking, how's their own performance as a coach, uh, and and having that ability to reset and recover themselves is giving themselves time to debrief, giving them times to um, self-reflect And there's loads of tools out there that you can do it personally. So if you're feeling that you're a bit triggered, you're a bit stressed, that you're finding that you're not patient when you're having to talk to a parent or your response to an athlete isn't in a positive and calm approach, then they're all signs that you're probably suffering from some mental fatigue yourself. So I always say to coaches, the best thing to do to start with is really describe what does good look like. What does professionalism look like? What does them at their best look like? What's their end goal? What's their success look like? What are they wanting to be able to say that they achieved in five years' time? You know, it's still their career as well. How can they be the best coach in their particular sport? And often they neglect all those elements themselves and just – go down that rabbit warren of coaching the athletes and they're so involved with the athletes and that particular competition that they aren't giving themselves the justice to come out and look at the whole picture. You know, that old saying, you can't see the forest between the trees. Well, that often happens like a vacuum with these wonderful coaches that are so clever and so experienced and so committed, but they're not timetabling all the elements they need in order for them to be at their best.
1: Absolutely, yep. We use the phrase it takes a village when referring to raising kids, but it's a relevant term for the gym. What does that mean for coaches?
2: It's so tough for a coach and especially coaching athletes um, in this society where there's just so much more pressure placed on an athlete, which then folds out into so much pressure. Uh, of a coach. And what I'm finding is the fact that the coach is trying to be everything. So when they increase their training load, they're making the decisions on the increased strength and conditioning. They're making the decision on the amount of time of rest and recovery. If there's a niggle, I'm coming across too many coaches that are making the decision on modifying the training load, modifying strength and conditioning. And in quite a few cases, when I talk to the athletes and they say, I've got a sore shoulder or a sore wrist or a sore elbow, and I ask them what actually it is, a lot of athletes can't tell me exactly what it's called. And I say, have you been to a physio? And it ranges from, no, I haven't, to, yes, I have. And I said, what's the physio said? And they'll say, oh, they're just speaking to my coach. So I mm. guess that, Gemma, is what I'm talking about is that often coaches aren't staying in their lane and because they're experienced and they're really committed and they've seen uh, a stressed athlete before, an athlete that's got a sore wrist before, and a lot of them have that empathy that sport's so expensive for parents. And um, so they're thinking that if they can reduce the cost of going to physios and let's try this modification and see whether that works, rather than what I believe needs to happen is once a niggle presents itself for over that 24, twelve hour twenty four hour threshold, then a specialist does need to review that niggle in order to be able to then make a decision: what is it, what sort of modifications need to occur, what sort of rest and recovery. What is it that a coach can
1: offer and how do they know when they need to step back?
2: Well, I think, Gemma, it all starts from a coach feeling that they can trust a good support network so that they trust the physio, they trust their wellbeing manager, they can trust the sports psychologist, they can trust the strength and conditioning Um, They can trust the high performance managers that are helping with funding or other resources that they might need, that they they actually have a team of people around them and they're the leaders, they're the experts, but with everyone in their lanes and it's a collaborative approach, then the best interests of the athlete and also an integrated training program can be pivoted and adjusted to school, you know, there's assignments coming up that are conflicting with training. There's, you know, a lot of athletes are having to work part-time, you know, so incorporating the holistic athlete as a starting point when they're then developing an integrated training management program.
1: What does uh, that mean, an
2: integrated Management training program. So it's where um, the coach has a, a, a um, the training plan towards a competition. So they're going to increase the training load accordingly. So then the athletes prepared for a particular competition. The coach has that overseen view of the the pathway for an athlete, and they know what competitions and what milestones they need to meet in order to get to their particular goal, which is generally representing the country. So within that training plan needs a lot of other elements to support that training load. So that be as a training load increases, so does what's the nutrition to be able to fuel that athlete in order to meet that training load? What strength and conditioning program needs to be put in place so the athlete can do that training program? What well-being activities need to be in place. You can monitor and observe what's happening with the athlete. Observe how do they take feedback. You know, if an athlete isn't presenting with openness with taking feedback, we know they've got a fixed mindset. So we can unpack why have they got a fixed mindset and find out the backstory of that and help them be, have that continuous learner approach and a growth mindset. Mm. One thing in particular that I don't see enough of is, in a training plan, an individualised training plan for an athlete, where are the elements to monitor their mental fatigue? So overtraining, that consistent intensity, an athlete being able to use their voice in order to be able to say, I'm really tired. I can't seem to cope with the, the hours that I'm having to put in with school, the hours I'm having to put into training. There's no element to be able to have those conversations and then go, all right, Let's talk. Let's work out. Can we talk to your teachers in order to be able to maybe push back an assignment date? Can we, mod, you know, um, just reduce some training load, um, at different parts throughout the calendar year? You know, there's, there's not that monitoring and conversations and let's work it out for the, the better health of the, um, the athlete.
1: I can see that there might be two obstacles to that, as important as it is. It might just be overwhelming for a coach to think that they have to facilitate all of this, and the other being that there might be a fear that it's all going to reduce training and, therefore, all the goals and hopes and dreams of the coach and the athletes might actually be negatively affected because you're taking away time from that. Can you address those points? What do you think?
2: Well, at the end of the day, if an athlete arrives at a competition and they're not mentally and physically at their best, that's the uh, that's the proof in the pudding that the actual lead-up and the training management wasn't integrated and adjustable enough in order to allow that athlete to arrive at their best at their actual competition. So I know injuries can occur. I know it's such a fine line between intense training and overtraining, but if there's a good open communication, then a partnership approach with the athlete, the physio, the wellbeing manager and the coach and the parent to a lot of degree as well, then they can find that absolute sweet point that allows that athlete to still thrive at training but also have that right balance with their life and sport. Is it a lot to ask of a coach
1: to have to facilitate all of those things or does it actually benefit benefit them in the long run? Like it might be hard to set up these relationships, but then have you found from your experience, it works well once that
2: machine is a little bit more well-oiled? A hundred percent. And it comes back down to trust again. So some of the athletes, some of the coaches I'm working with have never really worked with a wellbeing manager before. So it's a lot of building trust, Experiencing the benefit that I can provide, I'm like a triage. An athlete will say I'm really tired, and it could be that their their nutrition isn't going well, or they're worried at school, or you know we can we can put measurements and solutions in place to be able to address whatever it is for that athlete to have that consistency in their arrival and performance at training, to arrive at their particular competitions ready to go.
1: I know this might be putting you on the spot a bit here, but can (laughs) you give me some examples of where this has worked well, where you've gone into a situation that was a bit dicey perhaps, and you've managed to work with a coach in a positive way that has benefited the athlete and perhaps even their performance or their well-being.
2: Yes, I've I've got got a lot of examples. Athletes that have finally been able to recognise that they need to use their voice to a coach when they've um they've really wanted to go to the competition they've hurt their ankle and um they've ignored it and they that ended up becoming an injury and they couldn't even go to the competition getting them to actually have that partnership approach with the physio and the coach and so the next 6 months once that was recovered and a return to sport management plan was put in place that athlete's part of that conversation with the coach, the physio and themselves and just the empowerment that that's given that athlete and the voice has been incredible. Other examples are where the coach has been quite anxious because the training plan hasn't worked well due to injuries and due to a few other instances. And I've actually worked with the coach and then been that facilitator to have the coach and the athletes talk together about what each person needs in order to have more of a healthy Productive training environment because the athletes were withdrawing and not saying what was happening for them, and then the coach was getting more excited with the way they were talking to the uh, the the athletes, and it just wasn't going well. And and thankfully, because I've worked quite well with this coach before. Uh, this person had reached out to me and said, can you come down and find out what's happening with these athletes? We're going to Worlds, they're withdrawing, they're not performing. I know things are going on, but they won't talk to me. That was a coach using their support network to help resolve a, a situation so those athletes actually meddled so it there was, you go <laughs> that's
1: what I want to hear right I want to hear that I mean obviously they don't have to meddle for something to be a success no, no, but no. um it sounds it like it was a, a positive result all around
2: it really is yeah. trust um I'm only part of the equation to help the coach and help the athlete's
1: sounds like you have to stick to your lane too right yes
2: yes yes is that 100%.
1: hard for you sometimes
2: <laughs> no, no not at all no
1: you're no, well versed all, in it not at all katrina i could talk to you all day you know this
2: thank you so much for your time and for your expertise thanks Gemma. and i'm certainly not wanting to ever tell the chef how to cook uh it's more to help the chef be the best cook sounds fabulous thank you
0: It really does take a village, doesn't it? You know, our coaches are doing such a brilliant job. It is amazing to know that there are so many other support networks around them to make sure that both they and their athletes are supported with for their goals.
1: Absolutely. And it's also a great reminder for coaches to look after themselves so that they're looking after their own well-being too. It's about everybody in that gym coming together and taking care of each other.
0: Well, Gemma, that wraps up Season 1 of Raise the Bar. Wow. Can you believe it? We have loved chatting with you all. We have loved having all of the amazing interviews over the last 12 months. Over summer, go back in, check out the archives. We have some really, really great interviews with some amazing content that you can go back to. Let us know what you thought. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok at Gym New South Wales. We look forward to seeing you all in 2023 for season two of the Gymnastics New South Wales podcast, Raise the Bar.